it's rare for me, but the doubts of when certainly have and do exist. And I think they were and are easily quelled by the choices I made. Like, why did I drop out? Because I don't, I don't believe in plan B for me as a person. Some people should and could and do need a plan B. I'm not someone who wants a plan B. I don't want a safety net. I, I will bet on myself every day of the week. And so there's no safety net. So then, you know, what kept me going when there were doubts? Well, what else am I going to do? Writing means like being able to have a flow. Yeah. Right. And that connects me to the name of your company, Creative Blue Balls. Yeah. Love the name. Thank you very much. I'd love for you to explain to me a little bit more about where it comes from. Yeah, it comes from frustration. <laughs> um, I do. I love whenever people you know, realise their name, like maybe I might be in a call for something. And I was booking something recently. You know, oh, could we just have an email address to confirm that it? Oh, it's Abe at Creative. Blue is in the colour, balls. In, and then you hear the laugh when the person <laughs> clocks on and I'm like, I love it when people clock on what it means. So what does it mean? It's... um. It's, well, blue balls, which I hope everyone who's listening knows what it means, but if you don't, it's a colloquial term for what, what men suffer when they may have been aroused but unable to ejaculate. <laughs> and so then a pain is formed in the testicles. And so the creative part of it, which is why it's called creative blue balls, was the idea of I just had and still have had all of these ideas and just this frustration of I just want to get my stories out. And... With that in mind, that was what the company was created for. It's like, right, what can I do to make my own ideas happen? Because I'm so frustrated not being able to get stuff made back way back when. Yeah, that's where the name comes from. I love the name. I think that might be the most eloquent description <laughs> I've given of it ever. <laughs> I love it. So then you mentioned about like the creativity and then the ideas. So mm. has that been something you've always had in terms of being able to come up with ideas like at a very young age, would you say? I don't think so. I'd be surprised if it was. I mean, it's always interesting. I'm always interested in other people's perceptions that might completely differ to what I think. Because I'm saying, no, it hasn't. But there might be someone, whether it's friends or it's family, who might say, no, you've always been like that. But in my perspective, I don't think I've always been like that. I did not grow up as a creative person. I still don't think I'm that creative. I think I'm just really good at writing and it appears that I might be good at directing as well <laughs> because I've made two films that went really well. Mm -hmm. But no, I was very academic in yeah. school. I just always enjoyed writing. And so that is the crossover in terms of, in school, I enjoyed essay-based subjects. Um, always enjoyed words. My one thing that I think of when I think of, oh, that was maybe the first time you were aware of your enjoyment of creativity was my year six sats. Mm. I just remember knowing I was going to write a letter and being very excited to do so, like, oh, this is going to be so much fun. Mm. And so for me, that's my earliest memory where I can identify that I enjoyed a very specific version of being creative and, and then, you know, whether it be via me seeing it through ed my results in academia or through people identifying it, there's always been this thing about me of 
apparently being a really good writer. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't something I really took seriously um, or ever considered career-wise. It wasn't... Because no one was telling me I was a good writer. Oh, so you should go and do a career in it. It was just something like, oh, you write really well. Um, but especially I went to a grammar school. And so for me, you know, that in itself lets you know that I'm very like academia based and I also clearly results focused and so on and so forth so all I'm thinking is well I'm in a school where everyone's smart and I'm not top of the class at least in in writing and so therefore nothing made me think that I was good at it because I would only think I was good at something if I was very obviously the best or one of the best like top five or top ten and it didn't mean I thought I was bad at it I just thought oh this is just something I can do Mm. yeah that's an interesting one because um you mentioned like year six and primary school and like the creative writing tasks. That's probably the thing that I hated the most because um, I remember every time after the summer holidays, they'll come back and say, oh, write a page about what you've done on, holi- on yeah. summer holidays. My summer holidays, all I did was just chill, play mm. outside and didn't do nothing. Yeah. And um, I found it really, really hard to like write or like make, not make things up, but like ideate. Yeah. But it sounds like for you that came very easily, like what your thoughts were then pushing it onto the piece of paper mm. and then going into like secondary school grammar school and then you mentioned i think they're quite competitive anyway they are just yeah. generally um I've so it's been competitive that's a consistent theme yeah <laughs> right so i guess like when you were noticing that you were good at writing then how did that kind of synthesize into wanting to become like a lawyer or a banker like how how was that kind of trajectory you well say? that's why i say it didn't because mm. Law, law and finance and my ambitions and pursuits in that world have nothing to do with writing. Like law was something that I'd wanted to do from very, very young. I'd always said, I want to be a lawyer, I want to be a lawyer. And it wasn't it wasn't a stereotypical story of like parents forcing it on me or anything like that. It just seemed like something fun. I get to argue. <laughs> like that, that was my perspective. Yeah. Of, you know, I get to argue, I get to prove points and prove people wrong and whatnot. Uh, and equally, finance comes into my life at 16, 17, where I was working, no, well, I, I did a summer internship at Royal Bank of Canada. Mm. But in none of this writing exists. Mm. Like, writing isn't, like, I think my exploration of writing outside of academia during that time span was you know, maybe between 13 and 16, being a very bad, ambitious crime rapper. Uh, maybe 13 to 17, actually, or 14 to 17, whatever. So there's that aspect. I think blogging was then a thing for me from like maybe 17 to 2021, 20, who knows how long. And there was another version of writing that I think existed in my life. Well, I wouldn't call it writing, but I guess it's why I enjoyed Twitter. Because mm. I remember when friends... I got Twitter when I was 18. It's because my friends just kept going on about, hey, but you would love this. And I probably, you know, I tweeted so much crap because, you know, just getting to express myself with words. I think that's been a consistent theme for me, of expressing myself with words. And I was the kid who was known to be a chatterbox. <laughs> and I think as with age, what that has become actually is just expressing thought but expressing it through words rather than speaking. Mm. Yeah. Interesting, interesting. So when you were exploring sort of different avenues of like law and um, and finance, the world of finance, mm. so, 
your first intention was to go down that lane, right? Yeah. And so um, you went to uni studying politics. So whilst you were there, how, like, at what point did you start feeling that this may not be the right path for you? Okay. So I'll give some key details that help. So 17, summer of year 12, is I did an internship at a law firm for two weeks, uh, Norton Rose, and then I did my days of shadowing at the chambers. And then 18, just after A-levels, that's when I did my nine weeks at Investment Bank. And I was due to study law at Queen Mary's. Um, and on A-levels results day, I got the worst results I felt like I've ever got in my life. And I ended up in clearing, which I could have never imagined happening. And as a result of that, I ended up at Brunel studying international politics. And I think that is without a doubt the turning point. Like I've, I was talking to, I, met, I went for dinner at a friend's house on Friday and I met someone and I identified what I thought was the biggest turning point in my life. And I still think the one I'm about to say is, which is getting into my school. That's the biggest turning point. But I think the second one is me not going where I was thought I was meant to be going because Brunel, I loved that. Pl- I dropped out, but I loved that place so much. And that was what made me start to consider something else because I was no longer, well, technically I was still on the path I was meant to be on because I was no longer going, I was no longer studying law but actually every lawyer I'd ever met had tried to convince me not to study law and not because they don't want me to be a lawyer. They were just like, you don't need a law degree. Go and study something else that you'll enjoy and it will be fun. And then after do the conversion and you can just carry, you know, because either way you're going to have to do that law school, but yeah, yeah. do it in that way and have a bit more life experience and understanding of things before you end up in this. So I was still on that path technically, but I wasn't on the path in the way that I thought I was. Like I wasn't at a top university. I wasn't studying law. Um, all the options and opportunities were still there for me, thankfully, because I'd done the internships and whatnot. So the trajectory was still sorted out for me. But Bruno is just, a, at least in the time I was there, was just a really special place. And one of the key things that I think resulted in me doing what I've done is it was somewhere that, you, that was just full of dream chasers. Mm whether it be artistically and creatively or more concretely in that it's a sports university. And so we have friends who are Olympians and who are like training and all of this at the time whilst we're there, who are our friends amongst us. And yeah, I'm someone who I've always loved sports anyway. And I played basketball growing up and yeah, that's probably the third thing, which is probably most significant in my life is the impact that basketball had on me in me realising, oh, if you commit and dedicate and work hard and whatnot, you will get to you will get what you want. And I saw that happen in basketball and said, that's what I've always done in life. You know, like these things which have just sculpted how I approach all of life. Mm. Um, so when I mentioned the athletes in Brunel, again, it's the same thing of seeing people doing that and just chasing their dreams and and then the non-athletes, but the people who are maybe starting up their own business ventures or who are doing these kind of artsy things. And me always knowing that I liked writing. Mm-hmm. And the biggest turning point then in terms of how we end up on this path is, yeah, I didn't know it was at the time, but in the first week of my second year of university, I learned that one of my friends had died and he'd, he was in, um, he'd gone to Peru to build houses for the, 
Red Cross and that was a big turning point for me because what it slowly manifested into was I had always thought again with work and I think I'd always been interested in more fun things than the kind of job I was going to go into but I just always thought you know I'll do it for 20 years 30 years make a load of money and I can enjoy the rest of my life and do some fun things and whatever but when your friend passes away at 19 yeah. you're on and I'm not only passes away at 19 but also it's just totally random like it could have been just as random as a car crash yeah. versus you know not not that this should feel more common but if it would have made more sense to me someone told me he got stabbed not yeah. because he was in that life in any capacity mm-hmm. but the randomness of it I'm like okay well I've said I've always said that I'm gonna get a good job make a load of money and then go and have fun and chase some dreams and whatever but actually this person just died at 19 who's to say I'm gonna live to see the ages that I believe I'll be able to chase that dream and that was the beginning and I think it was maybe January I just remember vividly waking up really early at like four in the morning or something different silly like that in my in my room in my um house in in university and i just felt really unhappy and i think i'm quite a straightforward person in that i said to myself why am i unhappy i'm not happy with the direction that my life is going in i was like okay cool so what has always no what makes you happy and i was like writing's always made me happy i've always enjoyed that it makes me happy and that was it. I decided to drop out. Like, wow. literally, there was nothing more to it. I went and told Gabs, who, you know, I was like, yeah, Gabs, I'm dropping out of university. <laughs> and everyone thought I was mad. Yeah. And I didn't physically drop out at that moment in terms of I stayed in my uni accommodation and I stayed on campus and whatever. But I thought going to lectures. I was like, no, I'm dropping out and I want to write. Didn't have a plan. Yeah. I just was like, this is what I'm going to do. And I think I've always been someone who I've always felt, no matter what I choose to do, it's going to work out. Like, I believe that. And again, I think that's basketball. That's the school that I went to. It's probably my mum as well in terms of, like, this unwavering self-belief. Like, there was nothing in me that thought this might not work out. Not because I'd never written a script before. I'd never read a film or TV screenplay. I don't even know if in that moment when I decided it was necessarily scripts, there was, it could be journalism, it could be a book. It could, I just knew I wanted to write. I'm going to use this thing that I enjoy and everyone has always told me I'm good at it. And I'm like, what if I do something about that? And yeah, yeah, that yeah. was that was the moment. There's a lot of points that I want to bring up, but thank yeah. you for sharing that with me. That's all right. Um, I think what really struck out to me as well is that unwavering like confidence that if I'm going to work at something, I'm going to achieve, even though you didn't get into your first choice university, because that in itself could have like harmed you or mm. like made you think that working hard is pointless. So yeah. how did you kind of put that disappointment aside and say, you know, it's just a one-off. I can keep working hard and get what I need. I don't know if I ever have put that disappointment aside because mm. I think of, for example, how in my math GCSEs, I missed an A by one mark. I still think about it. <laughs> like, and, and what, I'm 32 now, so that is half my lifetime. Ago. I still think about it. Yeah. Equally, my A-levels, yeah, it's a what if ultimately, because I think I know where I'm wrong, mm. but I will never know because I can't go back and have that time. But what I think went wrong, like, it's the hardest I've ever revised in my life. Yeah, And 
So for me, I'm like, so that's what went wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I changed my method. <laughs> I changed my method and that was the results of it. Yeah. So, yeah, putting that disappointment aside, I don't know if I ever have. Like, I'm, mm. you know, there's so many disappointments in life that live with me. They don't stop me from doing anything. Mm. But, yeah, I don't think I ever have gone through it. <laughs> That makes sense. That makes sense. Like I, I guess, you know, as maybe other people, my friends might say, is, and I think I would agree with them. Mm. Had I got the grades I was meant to get, had I ended up studying law, we would not be here. I would not have changed my path. Yeah, I did because it was never something I was contemplating. Mm. It only became something to contemplate because I'd involuntarily been taken off my path that I'd considered, and and even though I'd pivoted and been like, okay, cool, so this is how I'm going to go about it instead. This is what I'm going to do. Mm. Now we're at a point where I was like, hmm, maybe. There's something special about that because, like, you literally are influenced by the people closest around you because if all of them were focused on, like, less creative endeavours, like, you didn't have that much of a creative yeah. endeavour or, like, sporting, then your eyes probably wouldn't have been open that, right, this could actually work out. So yeah. um, there's a lot of, like, environment, like, in terms of nurture and telling you what, itself could be possible yeah. um, and especially like the experience of death especially at such a young age how we can really bring forward the concept of life ending um, mm. like for me I used to like run away from the thought of death like I used to hate thinking about it because yeah. it's so final like even a concept of forever like what the hell is forever do you know what I mean like yeah. forever is forever um, and it's only like maybe of the last say few years where I really try to bring that in and realising, okay, life is finite and it's up to you to what you want to do. There's no do-over. It's not like Call of Duty where you <laughs> die once and you're back. Right. It's like it is what it is and um, you kind of have to make the most out of it. And I guess in that time when you decided to not go to lectures, like how did you handle conversations with like your family and people around you, especially coming from the perspective of you were like super academic and now you're like, I'm not even doing uni anymore. It must have been a big shock to everyone. It was. It was a shock. And I think it's interesting because I feel like people around me, and it's weird, with age, I feel like I learned this more and more and more. And I had a good conversation about this with someone in the last few days. I can't even remember who. But I feel like people around me know that it's very hard to convince me to do something of this, to not do something I've decided to do and vice versa. And, you know, I'm not talking about stubbornness, although I'm sure many people around you will tell you that exists in me, but I'm not talking about that. I think it's more that, and this is probably what my friends have learned, is that I think a lot before, I think a lot without a lot of people realising it. And so what may come to you as oh, this is totally out of the blue. I've had a lot of time to think about it. I've had a lot of time to weigh things up. I've had a lot of time to consider all the things that I've now presented to you as, this is what I've done, this is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And so at the time, it was a lot of people tr mostly trying to talk me out of it. Uh, with family, I didn't tell them for a while anyway. And, and there was only two people to tell and one person whose opinion could have swayed me. So the two people to tell at that point in time were my mum and my mum's brother and my mum because I was living with her. So that's the house I'm getting back to. And my mum's brother because 
that is probably the most impactful person in my life. And so, yeah, I was worried, worried somewhat about what both would say, but also knew that I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And when I told my mum, my mum said to me, well, I knew there was something wrong with you. I just didn't know what it was. And I didn't want to bother you. I just thought he'll tell me when he tells me, whatever it is. And in that, she then said, what have I always said to you? I've always said, as long as you do what you'll ha- what will make you happy, you'll always have my support. I just want my children to be happy. And so, actually, I was worrying over nothing. And my uncle said to me, life is a marathon, not a sprint. And my big, big concern, actually, at the time was, I've got, you know, in a year or in two years, all my friends are going to have graduated and stepping out into their real lives with real jobs and making money and making progress and everything else. And I am now starting again, and I'm going to be behind everyone. And my uncle, again, was just like, so? He was like, you know, marathon, not a sprint, but also you don't know how those people's journeys are going to go. They might end up hating what they're doing and changing their mind. They might this, they might that. Like, it's interesting because I have two, I have, one of my sisters is 19 and I, I've had those conversations with her now and it's interesting like knowing where I've got it from to then be able to pour it into. Um, so yeah, it was, I mean, people didn't really understand, but they're like, cool. I guess I guess that's where we're going and I guess that's what we're doing and and I think I've always in this journey felt heavily supported and heavily loved and you know by proxy of what it was I was choosing to do anyway it's interesting right so yeah. people find it exciting people you know everyone always wants to know what's going on and and it's fascinating it's a world that the majority of the people around me have absolutely no access or interaction with it any shape or form so mm. all of this journey has been of interest and excitement to them yeah yeah no i've totally attested that because especially when you hear writers like yeah. what type of writer there's so many yeah. different like places you could do it mm. so as you were like getting comfortable with that decision mm. having the conversations how did you start to narrow down in terms of like what type of writing you want to do and was that also influenced by how much money you could make as well? Okay, I'll answer the first question. How did I decide? Around that time, I met someone who was a year older than me uh, via Twitter. And they'd sold a script to the BBC. Black guy, grew up in East London, probably very similar background. And I was like, if he can do it, why can't I? And that's what made me choose screenwriting. Because I was like, oh, okay, this is someone who can do it and yeah sure I'm gonna do this too and then money I can't think of a time at that point where in my decision making of which version of the craft it would be that money came to mind because again I've always thought whichever thing I pick this is not even including writing just whatever I pick to do and I'm like whatever it is I pick I'll become very successful at it therefore it'll mean I'm rich so <laughs> it didn't cross my mind like I've I, it never crossed my mind thinking oh maybe this would be a better path to go down because I'd make more money I, I don't I would question whether if I'd thought about money between the different mediums 
I'm wondering if I'd have put screenwriting. And I'm not saying because, yeah, I'm thinking about it now. And I'm like, which one does make most money out of, let's say, screenwriting and books and poetry? And like, it's probably screenwriting or books, mm. but also the scales of that are entirely different, right? Like what we're saying, books, are we talking J.K. Rowling? Are we talking, yeah. yeah, and equally with screenwriting. And I would argue maybe, you know, if we're talking percentages and averages and whatever of like, you know, maybe a decent living or a good living or what, like you probably have a lot more proportionally of screenwriters potentially than you do of authors. Like it's, yeah, far and few between authors who really make bank, I think. Yeah. So yeah, no, money didn't come into it. Mm, interesting. Yeah, especially contrasting that with the person who was able to sell their piece to the BBC. Like yeah. I know if, if I was interested in writing yeah. and they told me that, I'd be like, right. Is that it? Like you just got to write a script and they just hand and out. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, there's more. Like yeah. there's more to it, but like I think that because I'm good at this, because I enjoy it, because I've got stories that I could create and tell, then this could be a nice little like money maker as well as having um, having my life. You know what I'm saying? Um, so then, where does that journey take you? So because you went back to uni studying, um, like what was that like? Especially because you went to do creative writing when you yeah. probably didn't need to do a degree again. Oh yeah, absolutely don't. I told everyone not to do it. I did it because um, it was definitely a choice. Mm. So the degree I did was part-time. So two days a week in the evenings. And so I knew I didn't need the degree, but I've always loved learning. Mm. I love academia. Like I wanted to go do a master's one day. Couldn't even tell you what in. It's enough to do with professional development. I just love studying. <laughs> um, so I was like, I don't mind having the environment, maybe the accountability, mm. but I just spent as much time as possible outside of the degree, not only writing, but also networking as well. And like, because I thought I was ready. Like my best friend always tells people like, yeah, 2011, when he set out to start this, he believed he could do it then and there. I should have jobs in the industry. I should, yeah, <laughs> All of that. So, you know, whilst writing, I was also trying to find my way in, um, you know, meeting people one of one of the key people one of the key meetings i had or encounters rather was before i started the degree it was june 2020, uh, 2011 and i'd gone to a meeting with a friend a musician and they were running late and i'd met with i was talking to whoever they were meeting with and that person was asking me what i do blah 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 one thing leads to another they introduced me to their friend who was a filmmaker uh who'd I think he had one feature film at the time, which I knew of. And I meet that person. He's like really impressed by like my ideas and my passion and this and that. And he's like, oh, is there any scripts I can read? And I was like, oh, I've not written any. And then he goes to me, what do you mean? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, not. And he was like, listen, no one's going to take you seriously in this industry unless you have scripts. Like everyone has ideas, but it's the scripts that will get you you know, forward, like, you know, start writing. I'm like, where do I start? Uh, you know, go read some books about it or whatever and just start. So I'm like, cool, going to write a script, got ideas, got stories, going to write a script. Probably write my first, not probably, I did write my first script in Microsoft Word, send the script to him. And he's like, yeah, I'm not reading this. The format is wrong. Oh, wow. Bear in mind, I've looked online for the format and whatever. And he says, no, you need a program called Final Draft. That is the screenwriting software and it'll do all the work for you. You know, and these are all the things of nothing. At this point, I've not even started the degree yet. Mm. And those were the things that I was doing. And so, 
Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed my degree. I can't tell you how much I learned from it. Like, there's little things that I think of every now and then. I'm like, that's the degree that, like, you know, when I think of, like, how good I am at taking feedback and critique and my approach to it, like, when I'm getting notes, I'm often silent. And people think it's... People mistake it for me being pissed off. Mm. And for me, it's never that. It's that, no, there's... You don't need to hear from me. I need to hear from you. And more importantly... Like what? What? Why am I sitting here defending this script that you're saying this isn't working, or I don't understand this or that? Like, as the writer, that is my responsibility. Mm. It is my responsibility that you understand via reading the script what I want you to understand. So when you're saying to me, "Oh, it doesn't feel like this is happening here," and and whether I think it's there or not is irrelevant. The point is, in that next draft, you need to see it unless I don't think that thing is meant to be there, which is a different conversation. So things like that came from the degree and there's little bits here and there which I thank the degree for, for sure. That's pretty cool, yeah, because um, it's like you had two things go on and you had like the how to play the game properly and mm-hmm. then someone teaching you, well, through the degree, like teaching you the fundamentals of it. Yeah. And so like that, those two plus your actual willingness or drive to create made this like trifecta of you just to keep on going through um so how was it for you then like because you were doing different jobs you were studying in the night you were networking like what was the goal like how would you keep yourself like so driven and so determined because especially after that person told you no you're not ready yet like did you have doubts in terms of when it would happen like Talk me through a bit, like, what was going through your mind during that, that period of time. I love that you said doubts about when rather than if, because the moment you said doubts, I was about to go no. But then you said when, and actually, yeah, of course. Um, I mean, whether it's then, whether it's now, it's rare for me, but the doubts of when certainly have and do exist. Um, and I think they were and are easily quelled by the choices I made, like, why did I drop out? Because I don't I don't believe in plan B for mm. me as a person. Some people should and could and do need a plan B. I'm not someone who wants a plan B. I don't want a safety net. I, I will bet on myself every day of the week. And so there's no safety net. So then, you know, what kept me going when there were doubts? Well, what else am I going to do? Uh, yeah. there, was, there was no plan B. There's nothing to fall back on there isn't another thing I could do and do I want to do this yes I do so we keep pushing keep strategizing keep trying to find you know keep reflecting and being like okay what could I be doing better what am I not doing right what 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 is like the blind spot that I've not realized like you know something that I always encourage writers who are at an earlier stage of their journey to do is yeah, there's a lot of like different programs and schemes and stuff out there and and I'll say to people like, okay like let's say you want so there's a scheme called four screenwriting which I've been on and I'd applied for four screenwriting a few times I mean I, I think at the time I applied for it which was and the last time when I got onto it was in 2019 2020 and I'd applied every year since its inception which I think was maybe 2011 and 2012 mm-hmm. And not got on. And I said to someone that there was a year where I didn't get on. And then I saw the list of everyone that did get on. And then the next thing I did is I went and looked. All these people have agents, for example. And so I'll go on their agents' websites and look at their CV. And I'm like, okay, this person's done this. This person's done that. This person's done. Like, these are the steps for where they're trying to get to. Like, an old mentor of mine 
has always used to say, success leaves clues. So for me, I'm like, I'm going to go look at what these, okay, so I should apply for this thing or I should do this program or I should do this and this will get me to where I'm going. So, yeah, those are the kind of things I would do. And I, yeah, yeah, and when they'd happen, it's great. Mm. And when they don't happen, it's like, all right, keep pushing. That's what you're going towards. I think it's very easy in any creative endeavour, in any creative field, to have doubts because you're looking at the bigger picture and the mountaintop. And there's that quote about how, like, yeah, if you look at a staircase, it's daunting if you're just looking at the top. But if you just look step by step, eventually you'll make it to the top before you know it. And I think that was the same with me with these little things. Like I say to people, when I wanted to be a lawyer, I knew that I needed to get a degree, that I needed to go to uh, law school, and then I do this. Yeah, the steps are clearly there. If I want to be a doctor, so on. In this, there's nothing. And what I was able to create for myself along the way and still continue to create for myself is what can be the markers. And yes, it's not a thing of this is a three-year course or whatever, but it's things where whenever I get them, it's like, all right, I'm going in a good direction. Like, this is going well. We're getting close. Like, when I'd get shortlisted for stuff or longlisted for stuff and then not get it, I'm like, ah, oh, but I got longlisted this time. Last time I didn't. I got shortlisted this time. Oh, one day we've got it. Like, it's there. And sometimes none of those steps happen. Like, for screenwriting, applied every year. Didn't ever get shortlisted. Didn't get anything. And then the first year I get interviewed, I end up on the scheme. Like, sometimes it works like that. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Like, you literally made your own game plan. You know, <laughs> literally, because um, I remember talking to someone about like art mm. and trying to understand why certain artists are deemed more valuable than others. Mm. And they said about the, those clues, like where did they study, like who have they, what galleries have they been in, and mm. all these little things. Um, and I love that kind of devotion to like following those steps or following the clues that as that people have left behind. Mm. In some cases, though, you might be looking at that list and you see someone who doesn't have the credentials or the background that you have, especially based on where you've come from. So how do you deal with that kind of disappointment of like knowing you're better than other people but still not getting picked? I try not to compare myself because I I try, at least I try not to compare myself to a detriment or to, to a fault. I think what helps me be good at not comparing myself is that I remember early, very early part of the journey, first couple of years, and seeing something that someone had done. It's funny, I remember, I know exactly who it was, I remember exactly what they've done, but I'm not going to say who. <laughs> but what I will say is what my friend Femi said to me. I've been friends with Femi my entire life, like we were living in the same building when I was three years old or something. But Femi said to me when I was frustrated about this thing, he said, you don't know what that person's goals are and ambitions. But I'm pretty sure they're not the same as yours. And he's not saying that my goals and ambitions are bigger or anything like that. It's nothing to do with scale or size. He's just saying, that's what they're aiming for. And this is what you're aiming for. And if these two things are not the same, then neither will the journey be the same. Like it's going to go the way it's going to go for you. And that person will get things that you wouldn't want anyway. And you will get things they wouldn't want because this is what it's meant to be for you. And so... Yeah, I think that's a much easier way of thinking of it because it doesn't involve what you're saying, which is, you know, no, things where actually we're shooting for the same things and they're getting it. But I think in when it's that, that people are shooting for the same things and they're getting it and I'm not, it's... I just think everything happens for a reason. I just trust it and I'm like, cool. 
that's what was meant to be. And here we are. Like, yeah, my film is currently in consideration for film festivals. And we've had a few rejections and we've had our first yes and so on and so forth will continue to happen. But also, I'm not the programmer. I don't know why they've chosen what they've chosen. Like, you know, it could be, for example, that, oh, we, yeah, we, they weren't, when they were curating the program, it might have been like, oh, they thought this film was amazing, mm. but it doesn't fit the program because the, they might have five programs and one is about uh, brotherhood, uh, not brotherhood, one is about siblings and one is about this theme and one, and actually there's no theme which this fits into. And so no matter how much they love the film, it cannot get in. And so equally, I might compare myself or not me because I don't do it but someone else might compare and be like nah it's mad how could they select that film and not select mine you were never in the same competition you were never actually competing against each other and I think you know people often allow themselves to go down a certain direction that I just don't think is healthy where you're comparing yourself and you're like yeah it kind of then results in being a bit of a hater and that's not good for you it's only harming you so I don't I don't think I do those things. I, I I'm just I, I I think my journey is my journey and my purpose is my purpose and I believe in those two things and so I don't wish negative on anyone. Like I, when I'm seeing someone else getting something, I'm like, ah, oh, that's sick. Like I love that for you. Like yeah. you know, whether it was something I wanted or not, I love that you got it. That's amazing because you know for every one yes, there's a hundred no's. And I know that person just like myself has got a hundred no's and and that's why that thing means so much. Why am I contributing to the no's actually? That's the side I'd be on, on the side of the no's. <laughs> Come on, man. So when you're facing those no's and you're facing rejection, like how do you take yourself out of that negative mindset? Do you have any like rituals or practices that help you? Ooh. Well, I'm... In thinking of now, because right now I am in quite a negative place and a negative space, and I saw someone just before I got here, and I said to him, I said to them that I've read five books in the last six weeks or something like that, and I was like, and that's a side of depression, <laughs> because before that, I'd read two books this entire year, and one of them was for work, um, but for me, I'm just like, yeah, I'm just going to read because my brain is... I just need to get out of this. And so I think reading is something I do. Um, spending, do you know what? I think the first thing I do, the biggest thing I do is take myself away from things and be solitary. And so, you know, I've, I'm have i not, I'm, I'm not quote unquote outside right now. Like in my work, especially at work, like I'm not going to work things. I'm not, posting on anything because I just don't want noise and I don't want to have to explain to people that I'm not in a good space and and have to hear a thousand versions of the same you'll be all right and I can't be bothered man. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I'll take myself out of things and I think I also do it with friends but in a different way in that you know there's only it, like I, I'm very like I'm a very transparent person and I'm very with being vulnerable and being like this is what I'm going through this is what I'm thinking this is what I'm feeling and I believe in the power of talking but I don't know how much I believe in the power of saying the same thing over and over again and rehashing your pain and pouring out your blood like that's how I describe it to to a friend actually I said 
I'm just repeatedly pouring out my blood and and spilling the blood is spilling and nothing is being done like why am I repeatedly doing that to myself like I've you know whoever I needed to talk to whichever friends whichever or whoever was conveniently at the time to talk to I have to talk to and continue talking to and for everyone else there's nothing to say kind of thing but yeah I, I've, I I'm someone who accepts that sometimes you just have to go through things and that's definitely where I'm at right now it's like yep I'm going through it and you know it, yeah the, the change will come I don't doubt it will come but right now we're in that period we being I um I'm in that period and let's you know I I can't tell you when it's gonna change like I, I wish I could I can't even tell you there's a light at the end of the tunnel but I believe it will do but this is where it's at right now that is so interesting and insightful because based on like your journey mm. for me as an outsider yeah I would take it as like when you're faced with the rejections or the no or like the really down places that although it might get you you can easily numb yourself to it mm. because sometimes people say like when you talk things through yeah it's a way of like squeezing the blood out like the more you squeeze the blood yeah. out the less blood that's there and therefore the less pain it will it will hold for you and you're basically expressing yourself because it doesn't mean much like mm. it is what it is kind of vibe um so that's why i'm just surprised especially like through the things that you've been through to mm. get you to this stage like i feel like there's always going to be the downs and the ups yeah um and you don't seem like a person who when you're What's the word? Like you don't seem like a solitary person. Does that make sense? Like you're you're talking you're you're you're, you're like a you're not the people person. person yeah. you people, know what I'm people. Well, everyone says that. <laughs> I don't know how true it is. Well, yeah. the right word is um because mm. I always I always think about how people think I'm an extrovert. And I don't think you're an extrovert. Yeah. But I think you're a good people person. Oh, I'm a good people person. Like because yeah. um, I remember where we first met yeah. and like we we're just sat next to each other yeah. and we we're just talking. We talked yeah. for the whole evening yeah, we kind did. of thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, I don't even know how we started talking, but it just happened. I'm you know lazy. What I'm saying? That's what I'm lazy. I like to hear about people. That's the lives. thing, though. It's like inquisitive, right? And so maybe it's like flipping the switch on, like, because maybe it's, you don't like people asking you questions as a sore point, mm. but then when you're going out, it's like navigating a question away from you and back onto them. Because Call him one. I'm tired right now, but <laughs> like that's everyone wants to, like, like yeah. that's that's that is the hole in one yeah. is that. Yeah, like I, it's it's actually there's a beautiful thread here because I mentioned about oh in the early parts of the journey like mm -hmm. this is all interesting to everyone. It's still interesting to everyone. <laughs> I want to talk right now. I want to talk like. So I had yeah. a really beautiful conversation with my best friend. My best friend lives in New York now, and we had a, like a two hour catch up a few weeks ago. And in advance of that call, I'd been thinking to myself, I'm like, how on earth am I going to have this conversation? Without, because I don't, I don't want to talk about this stuff. And even if I do, because I know, we, I know we're gonna have to. Yeah. But I know the moment we start talking about it, this conversation is no longer about you. It's all about me. Yeah. And, and, but I wanted to have that phone call with him because I want to know how he's doing. Like, you know, he's he lives in another country. He's been living there for just over a year, and he's really, you know, what's going on with life? And listen, God knew my heart because in those two hours, I think for one hour or 45 minutes, we just spoke about him and he had no clue what was going on with me. And then finally he flips it over to me and I'm like, yeah, bro, I'm in a horrible place, man. Like, And he's like, sorry, what? And I'm like, yeah, but I'm actually so happy with how this conversation went. Like, I can tell you everything, but I know once I 
put it out there and, and it becomes clear, you're, you know, you're just going to be like, in your head, you're probably going to stop yourself from saying any of your problems because you're just thinking, what am I complaining about compared to what he's going through? Yeah. Like, and so, you know, I do, at least at the moment, like I try to flip it on others even more than I maybe normally do because I'm also quite a truthful person. Like I don't want to, you know, how are you? I don't want to say I'm good if I'm not good. Yeah, I don't want to lie. But also I don't want to talk about it. So it's also figuring out, okay, how do I navigate this? Like not wanting to talk about it. and Or even like another thing about like the whole outside thing and being outside is that, you know, everyone like, oh, we should go for a coffee. We should go for this. We should go for that. Like, And one of my friends said something really helpful to me actually because I, I there was something I didn't want to go to recently. Mm. If I could have been the only person in the room or no one knew I was there, I would have wanted to go to that thing but because I because I was aware of like who might be there and not anyone specific but just as opposed to like people wanted to talk to me and that and this and that I was I I eventually decided to go but I really didn't want to and lo and behold I went and exactly what I thought would happen like at the end oh we should do this we should too much (laughs) and I told a friend about this and she said oh do you know what you should do you should pre-prepare a script not as in a physical script but just like so when people say oh, i'd love to go for a coffee with you i'd love us to let's meet up before christmas let's do this uh, like pre-prepare exactly what i'm gonna say and it was such brilliant advice but i said to her it's like also the thing is most of the time when these questions come to me they come by email or by text or yeah. whatever it is so actually i have time to think and what happens often for me in real life i get i get very overwhelmed in a way that I don't think people realise and like it could be that I'm going to like I might be going to a work related actually like one where it consistently happens is like if I'm going to the theatre or to a screening but a screening of some sort of nature as opposed to just going to the cinema and for some reason my even though I know it's going to happen my brain hasn't considered oh I'm going to get there and I'm almost within seconds going to see someone I know and this that yeah And then I'll just immediately get inundated and overwhelmed in that instant moment when I haven't thought about it, as opposed to when I have thought about it. And I'm like, okay, cool. This is going to happen when you get there and this and that, and this is how you're going to react to it. And this is how you're going to respond and whatever. So I think there's a sense of needing to do more of that to help me. Well, when I'm ready to be back engaging and stuff to just cope with those things. But this is why I also say, even when I'm great, I pick my times when I'm, want to be out and when I don't because actually my writing requires solitary mm. like I've that's the one thing I've learned over like the pandemic taught me I'd always suspected it and then I learned because that's when I wrote the best thing I'd ever written at the time it's like it's that I'm like I feel like I'm now on a mission in life to just have as much silence as possible and I don't mean silence as in literal noise although that too but I mean metaphorical like I would happily go live in a cabin for three months on my own to just write and not have, and, and, you know, walk two miles to go buy food and walk back and walk, you know, just be alone because I write the best of my work when I just have silence and peace. And sometimes it's literal as well. Like, you know, I've not written for a couple of weeks, but when I was writing in the last few weeks, no music, nothing. And normally I listen to loud music. That's, that's how I work. But it's like, no, I need this silence and this stillness. And the pandemic showed me it because it was what we were living. 
But what I think works best for me, and it's why I left the country last year for two months, is I think I just need to go away and be alone. But there's a there's a part as well, and I think it was maybe, I don't think it was Einstein, I think it was Niche, if I'm even pronouncing that right, the philosopher, or psychologist rather. And what he used to do is he lived in Switzerland, and he'd maybe go and spend three months of his time in like the forest, and he had this cabin, and that's where he'd write. Then he'd come back, spend three months in the city, because he was also entirely aware that part of his working process is he needs to be around people and talk and think and listen and sponge that up and then it then informs the work and I'm like oh that's me too yeah. like went for dinner on Friday because I had uh, a, a friend who's a writer it was me and five other people a uh, friend his wife who I know both of them and then these other people and I was saying to someone on the weekend I was like you know looking into next year these are the kind of things I need to make more time for because I left that with so many things I'd written down, like, oh, this podcast or this book and this, the, listen to one of the podcasts on the weekend whilst I was in the gym. It's like a four-parter about Mensa and this this journalist who joins with, yeah, but anyway. And then I'm like, oh, this could be a script idea. And, I, and this is it, this is like, just like that, we now have a new thing which I could be writing, which I could be doing. So there's a balance to it that I'm, yeah, I just need the resources. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's where it all is in life, right? It's capital and money that stops us from doing the things we <laughs> want to do. Um, don't even know if I've answered the question or what we were saying, but I'm sure it was fun. No, this is a beautiful friend. Yeah, yeah like, um, <laughs> this, this is beautiful because um, there's so many different pieces, but it's like, I feel when you were talking about when you go out and you have the conversation with people, it's like you're writing a script mm-hmm. in terms of all the different variables. And I wonder if, because you're a screenwriter, if that's kind of primed your brain into like overthinking in a certain way. Um, and then that will go into like when you actually are in the creative process and you're building stuff, which is based on your own experiences and new experiences. Like how do you not overthink and let just be? Sorry, say the second half of that question again. The, mm-hmm. My brain kind of went as you were saying. No, it's fine, it's fine. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so like as a script writer, yeah. you are right, you, you're thinking as you write and there's so many different, um, like there's so many different opportunities or like um angles if this person says this this mm. can happen da, 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 da. and i wonder if your script your your writing has kind of influenced the way your brain works in terms of making you overthink certain decisions rather than letting them be and then that'll go into my next session with like when you are actually writing how do you get comfortable with what you're writing and not overthinking it and yeah. being happy with what you create okay cool let's split that so the in yeah. life has it made me overthink i think yes but i'm not mad at it i'm not mad at anything that makes me a better writer. Mm. So even though I think, yeah, it probably has made me even more of an, I think I've always been a thinker. Yeah. But I think because of writing and my brain so often working in, because I would tell people my writing brain does not switch off. Like actually it drives me insane, but it doesn't switch off. It's always working. There are times when I cannot sleep. I'm in bed for two, three hours and I can't sleep because I'm just thinking and it's driving me mad. And the only positive is that I might pick up my phone and write some notes in there because all oh, new script ideas come or a new idea. But it's like, it's too much. If I had a choice, there'd be a way to switch it off. But I think that's that. And then the second half of it of how then when I'm writing as a result of overthinking, have I then, how do I like, what, settle on an idea or? Yeah. Oh, I think that's the easiest part. I think, I don't I don't toil much when I'm writing because all I'm doing is getting it out of my system. So there isn't much toil to be had. Like, you know, 
I've always said that when I write like a, a script, like some writers will like aggressively and repeatedly redraft before anyone sees it. And I'm the opposite. I'm like, yeah, have my bad first draft because no matter how much time I spend trying to perfect this, it is not going to be good enough to be the final product. So actually, mm. I am very happy to welcome my script editor or whoever it may be into that process very early and we can figure out those things together. So there isn't much overthinking for me or worry of that when I'm writing. I think the only problem that actually happens when I'm writing, because I'm also quite forgetful, is I might be writing the script and then have like an idea for another scene and I'm like, okay, I'll note that down when I finish the scene. And mm. before I get there, it's gone. Or equally, I might be in the middle of writing a bit of dialogue and then and then an idea is coming. So I spend all this time writing the note and then I go back and I'm like, oh, I don't even remember what I was meant to write next or anything like that. So that's maybe the part where it comes into play, where it's annoying. But on the most part, I think it only benefits my writing and I don't tend to feel much indecision when writing because also... Yeah, maybe this came from when I did the Channel 4 course for screenwriting. I remember Roya, my script editor, she said, she always used to say something to me, like, just try it out. Yeah. Like, that's it. Like, just try something out and we'll figure out through, like, there's only, the only way you're going to find out is if it works is if you try it out and then you'll try it out and then we'll look at it and, oh no, this isn't working actually or that isn't working. Yeah. So on that as well, like with the ideas that you curate. So um, this is another two slash three slash four part question. Yeah. We'll but, um, <laughs> so normal wings, yeah. normal wings, yes. Love that story. Thank you very much. Um, so for those who haven't watched it, it's about two boys who grew up, went to the same school, but they went on two different paths. Perfect description. And that is a story where a lot of people can res- resonate, especially mm. if they grew up like in the hood, basically. Yeah. Now, for you as a black British British writer. Mm. Do you have, do you feel a sense of responsibility in terms of the type of stories that you share? Because when I look at the stories that are out there, especially based on like, say, black British culture or black mm. UK, it's very limited. And I kind of feel, it's weird, like when I see stuff, I really can tell the energy, like the very BBC energy. Uh, that's the best way for me to put yeah. it. And I just feel like we're missing such a big genre of types of, of types of TV programs, sitcoms, comedies, like dramas, um, that are just like not there as well as everything that's out there so i guess like for you do you like when it comes to ideas do you just take what's what comes to you or do you like fit them within a box whether like it's meant to be like say black british related or just generally what the idea is i just take it as it comes like Mm -hmm. i i tell people i'm just i'm just telling the stories i want to tell and i'm writing what i want to write like i don't when it comes to ideas there's there isn't a great deal of overthinking, there isn't a great deal of strategy, like to yeah, you know, which is there's an irony in that for when I was talking so much about strategy before, but in terms of actual ideas, it's like, yo, this is what I want to say right now. This is what I'm inspired to do, and that's the story. But I don't think of it, you know, whenever I try to think, oh, I should write something like this or like that, and creating my own imaginary criteria and box ticks and whatever actually that's the hardest time as opposed to just letting the inspiration happen mm. so yeah no there isn't anything for me that i just want to tell the stories i want to tell and and there's there's a i mean there's an awareness for me of what those stories are or could be and whatnot and 
you know, I would like to think that I am telling the kind of stories that our community wants to see. But when I'm coming up with it, that isn't driving why I'm doing it. Like I'm, you know, because I also think if you listen to the community and made what they think they want to see, most of it would be crap. <laughs> like people, like yeah, you know, I think people complain about like so often about why is it all we get is negative stories and why can't we have things like this and that and this and that and for me I'm like okay but conflict is a fundamental factor in why we find stories interesting Mm -hmm. and and so this happy start to end thing that you want I don't know if it'll be interesting I don't know if you'd watch it I don't know if you know like it's but it's all uses of language, right? Right, yeah. because it's like, I, I I think maybe people just aren't articulating correctly what they want because I think all right, let's use no more wings for example. Sorry for anyone who I'm spoiling it for, but we have a character in there that is a drug dealer. Mm. Nine out of ten people who will watch that film are not coming out and saying that's a negative story. Oh, we're only ever depicted as drug dealers and this and that. It's about the nuances of the story, right? It's the yeah. nuance of a guy who is in this place of like, is he you know, he wants to change his life. Is he telling the truth when he's saying that he's changing his life, that things are getting different and whatnot? Uh, and actually you strip all of that away and on the surface it's the universal thing which we can all relate to, which is people who've grown up together mm-hmm. but have gone in different paths and different journeys and wondering how their lives have turned out and could it have been different and who were they and who are they now? So, yeah, it's, it's uh, I, don't, I don't think about it too much when I'm coming up with things. I just, I just trust like no, nah, this is the story I want to tell, and I, I believe, hopefully, that people will enjoy it and appreciate it as much as I did writing it. Like, yeah, yeah. no, I love that because um, I do see a change. Like, yeah. um, there's the Famalam program, yeah. which reminds me of goodness gracious me. Like, when mm-hmm. back in the day, it's like the black version of it, yeah. um, and even with your story, it links kind of similarly to Atlanta yeah. in a sense that you've got, um, well, the difference being. That's not a family member dropped out and is helping his cousin who was a drug dealer become a musician. Yeah. And I think those kind of stories where you kind of depict the the journey of someone, like what they're going through and how it impacts their their close circles around them. I think most recently there's a dream and whilst black that that, mm. that, that journey coming yeah. around that. And I think there's 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 so much like energy, there's so much growth that could come from this sector. And I think I'm just wondering what's missing. Is it because I don't think it's lack of talent. Oh, it's absolutely. probably just lack of money, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're funny because in my head, all the time, all the way whilst you're thinking, money, all money, money. no, no, no. Well, yes, but not in the way you think it was. Because yeah. you mentioned Atlanta. All I'm thinking of is paper boy. Yeah, paper yeah, boy, yeah. I'm all about that paper boy. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all that's going through my mind as yeah, you're talking. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, no, it's lack of resources for sure. Yeah. For sure. Like, it's not lack of ideas. It's not lack of talent. It's not lack of ability. It's that, you know, uh, it's the decision makers need to give opportunities. And I'm not even talking, I'm not even using that, what's that term, gatekeepers. Mm. Like, I'm not, you know, it's that, but I'm not even talking about that. It's, but ultimately, you know, we, this is an industry that depends on collaboration and capital. So by default, one man cannot do it himself. I cannot do this on my own. Mm I can come up with the greatest story whatever tomorrow. I need support, whether it's uh, via collaboration of my, you know, whoever's in that production team and capital from wherever it comes from to make that happen. 
and and I'm not alone. That's that's for everyone. So if you know, dreaming whilst black now exists and has been received well, and it's a, I, I love it and it's brilliant and whatnot. But for it to get there, we had to get capital for it and we had to get collaboration and and fi- and when that chance I don't even want to talk about chances or opportunities but once it's been then it's like cool how did it go and yeah, it's been received well mm. um but there's so many more out there who yeah I think yeah it's interesting I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to articulate things in a way that aren't too specific because you know, so that they don't get lost in translation for someone who may not understand the industry but yeah I would say that right now of this very second the state of the industry is that yeah it's a really really difficult market and the executive producer and owner of the production company that I've got one of my projects with she was saying to me that you know she's been in the industry for a number of years she is incredibly successful like one of the most successful producers in the industry and she was just saying to me like this is the hardest time i've ever seen it like you know this is the domino effect of many things there's domino effects of covid the strikes the recessions all of this is just and she's like to get something commissioned right now is hard like it's she'd never known it to be harder and in any time like that who suffers the most it's always the same right it's yeah. always us it's always you know we are now it's too risky it's too, you know because you know just like us us being artists the commissioners are also doing a job which needs to fail or succeed and for them to you know for them to succeed you know they have to no for that success to happen they're like making their decisions and like right should i do it should i not ah and unfortunately so many people would rather play it safe right like i'm not 100 i'm not gonna make name the show because it's not for me to name but there is an incredible tv show that everyone who has seen it loves and someone said to me that they had a meeting with the I don't know what we're going to call them, streamer, broadcaster, whatever, that air this show. And they said that had this show been brought to them today, they would not make it. And and this show is, like, hugely successful. Like, there's no two questions. One of the most successful TV shows on TV right now. And they said the reason why they wouldn't make it, if it was brought to them right now, is because it hasn't got a star attached to it. Um, it it's not like it's not like the writers a superstar or anything like that. So, yeah, you know, on paper it hasn't got anything going for it. So it's such a big risk mm-hmm. they would not take that risk, and that is absolutely nuts to hear. When you're like, okay, but you can see, like you're saying you wouldn't take that risk, but you've got the evidence right in front of you yeah. that that risk worked. Yeah. So why is the answer to not take more risks because these risks that you could take audiences are receiving it well and audiences are loving whatever these shows are and the show i'm referring to like it's i don't want to say too much but what i will say is that it's not like a we're not here talking about dream Wars black for example where it's like you know like 
unfortunately, to say it, but that level of risk of, oh, it's black people, black stories. We're not even talking about that. Like, it's a, you know, white leading show. So, but I'm saying if that show is, and now, so what does that mean for us? What does that mean for us and the risk appetite? It's, you know, and so that is what makes it difficult and it, it makes it really hard for people to, you know, continue working who you know stay in the industry um yeah and it all trickles down like for me at the moment you know one of the things that's been most difficult this year has been the you know the difficulty of getting uh into writers rooms and getting my credits for yeah with the response being um oh yeah really love his work but we're prioritizing writers with credits and i'm like okay so I can't I can't give myself a credit. There is nothing I can do. And actually, without going into it, I had I'd written actually two episodes of a TV series that was greenlit in 2021, and the series ended up not happening due to, you know, for want of a better word, scandal and the person who, you know, that person is no longer in this industry. And but even for me, I'm like, you know, well, I would have had my credits, but that happened. And so now I'm, you know, I'm at this point of like in a weird cusp of, oh, I can't get this thing that I need for progression. And when I say progression, I don't even mean career progression, though that too. But I'm where I'm referring to life progression in that I've been on this journey for 13 years mm-hmm. and and I'm here like, ah, oh, I've been on this journey, this journey of sacrifice. Like I've sacrificed everything to do this and I'm sitting here like oh, I just like my life hasn't progressed I'm not talking about my career like the careers the, the progress progress there is obvious for everyone to see we can all see that this has gone well and is continuing to go well and you know if you keep going you will end up where you believe you'll end up and where everyone will end up but I'm talking like baseline progress of stability and survival I'm like fam why am I still not stable why am I still not just got on a baseline like why am I having to consider things that I just shouldn't have to think about on decision making like oh should I do this or like even things like when I'm setting what days I'm going to have meetings for example and I'm like no I'm only having meetings for one day a week because I can't be leaving the house every day and spending money on travels like but I shouldn't have to think about that like not at this point like or one time I've been talking to someone a lot about debt and I don't mean financial debt I, I, I haven't got a term for it but what I said to them was I was like I can't drive and I'm like this is something I've always put off because I've never had stability and I'm and I'm like oh but one day I will have that stability and then I'll have the lump sum and be able to just do this or my Mac which I write with which I do my work with is on its last legs right now and I'm like oh it's fine though because when that thing happens I'll be able to buy that and it'll be calm and I'm like these things are, accru- are accruing and you're still pushing and you're still trying. And, and so that is like a form of debt in terms of the things where I'm like, all right, I'm just going to put that there. Whereas if I wasn't doing this and I just had a job, you know, all of those things I'd be able to do. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if I've got a salary, yep, cool. I put this money aside. We're going to do it for X amount of months. And by then you'll be able to drive or I'm going to buy this laptop and suffer for a few months. or I'm going to get it on a credit card and knowing that because I've got the job, I can do this and I can do that. So yeah, those, yeah. I mean, on that point, right, yeah. I think the word you're looking for is like technical debt. Yeah. And I think you have to go back to your original idea 
where you first you thought that you can wait 30 years for, and then something can happen. Mm. You can't wait. You can't wait. Like, yeah. if you want to do your driving tests, yeah. you'll figure it out. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, don't wait for stability. There's no such thing as stability. Yeah. And especially in your world, yeah. like, especially how crazy it is, yeah. there's no such thing as stability. I think there's seasons, but I think you have to lean into what those seasons are. Yeah, and you have to lean sure. into that instability. And I think with the Mac, like, imagine how much peace of mind you will have when you have a new Mac. Imagine telling people that you need a new Mac. Someone will get you a Mac. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So don't be, don't wait, especially if you like, if you need something to move forward. And I think it's about, if you're in survival mode mm. and you know you have like capacity to do certain things, bro, consult. Like there's so many people that will pay you for your time. You'll be surprised. Like if you're on your Instagram, you put one of those, buy me a coffee, you want 30 minutes of my time, $100. <laughs> Slap that on there. You'll be so shocked about who will pay you to do something like that. Yeah. And that will give you the stability in the instability. Mm-hmm. And it also will give you something to kind of like hold on to when you're running things. Like lean into the instability, bro. Like that's the one thing I've learned. And I think based on your experience, don't wait, don't wait for stability. Like yeah. Yeah, you sure. are primed to live this lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> I swear to you, bro. Yeah. Like, and you're, it's not about, giving yourself like the niceties or like motivational speaking it's literally look at your history yeah. look at your track record <laughs> yeah. do you know what I'm saying it's annoying I find it's it. annoying <laughs> yeah. but it is what it is I, I said to someone I was like um, what was it that I said it was something about how I've forgotten it was something to do with just like ah that was it I said to someone we were talking about the idea of quitting I'm not planning to quit but I was saying that I said I don't need anyone to tell me that like I'm good at this or I'm close or anything like that. And I was like, I was like, because unfortunately I'm aware of it. I was like, it would actually be easier if I was unaware. If there were doubts, then the quitting would be easy, right? Because I was like, but I was like, the doubt isn't there. Like I'm not sitting here doubting it. Like I've, I, I remember I wrote this play called Dionysus Ma, and Dionysus is a Greek god, Greek god of. Um, of chaos, drunkenness festivals, or something like that, like really long name. It's got a different name actually, and I think it's maybe Bacchus or something in Roman gods. Anyway, this play, it was a one man show, and I all I've never re- read it because it was a it was a very emotionally taxing thing to write. Like I, I remember crying quite a bit whilst writing it, and that's not something I really do. And I remember like the characters just like kind of screaming like why didn't you just give me the ambition of a dustbin, man? Like, why didn't you just basically yeah. not give me ambition? Because, like, living with it but not getting the gratification is a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think back to that a lot. I think you should. I think I think um, it kind of stems back to, like, that marathon run. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. um, and you're running, like, these mini, mini, mini um, races. And, like, I feel... When you look back, you're like, rah, like, this is sick. Like, bro, like, yeah, you're a director. That's another stream in terms of, like, work to an extent. Yeah. So you got to think of yourself as a product. Do you know what I mean? And I think when it comes to pivoting, not not quitting, but yeah. pivoting, it's about, like, okay, how else can I enlarge or focus on this area? It's not a plan B. It's just mm. pivoting. It's just, like, expanding your, your realm. Um, but no, Abraham, this has been awesome. Um, Thank you. For the right time now. I've got like two quick fire questions for Go you. For it. Yeah. Um, one question. 
What's what's your vision? I asked someone this of themselves <laughs> two days ago. I'm waiting for their answer. A lead actor in my film, Chopin, Dirisier. Because I was surprised I'd never asked them that. Mm-hmm. What's my vision? I... I just want to tell stories. I just want to tell stories and survive from that on a base level. But more importantly, be able to live a life where I can pour into my loved ones. That means a lot to me. That means a lot to me to to spend time with the people I love and to make them feel loved. And there are grander versions of that. Like I really... There are so many things where in life where I feel like I have the answers and I just want to answer them. Mm-hmm. And and by that, I mean solutions. Like there are people and I can see and I'm like, I think I could solve this. Uh, you know, so many of the different things I do outside of the primary of writing my own films and TV and stuff like that and trying to figure out other things for other people and the ambitions you know like there's this development program that I want to do one day and I work I've been trying to find funding for it for a few years and it all stems back to the same impetus that I know has happened in my head which is that I wish I had this thing it would have helped my journey and it seems so simple to me, I'm going to create this to, for someone else to make their journey easier. So I guess my vision would be, my vision is to make the people coming up behind me, make their journey easier than mine. Like I, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about my vision for my own career because I always think that is the minimum, that my, my career is going to work out, that I'm going to achieve my dreams. I'm way more concerned about the things that I could see not happening that oh if unless I commit to this unless I do something about it it's not going to happen so yeah and then one book you'd recommend I'm not going to say any book I've already said because that means I can cheat (laughs) (laughs) the book I would recommend is does that have to be one can I say two if you make it quick five people you meet in heaven by Mitch Album and An American Marriage by T.R.E. Jones. Both fiction, mm-hmm. both beautiful. Haven't heard of both of them, so I'm going to get that. And a final, 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 final question. Where can people find you? Abe is legend on everything. Twitter, Instagram. Not very active on either currently, but as I always tell people, when like whenever people ask me, oh, when can we see something? I was like, when there's something to see, you'll know. I shout about my work. (laughs) It's been a pleasure. Thank you, my bro.